We are live. Welcome to another episode of Live Lunch. This mm-hmm. afternoon, we are joined by the wonderful Stephen Dawson and Purity and Matt Coves and myself. Can I just say, I think we could probably stretch to buy another microphone. Yeah, it's so funny watching <laughs> the two of you share one. Like, honestly, can we not I, buy I, another I, microphone? I like to think of it as like seeing myself, you know, us in like a like 1980s stadium rock band where the guitarist <laughs> yeah. and the lead singer come together and share mic- it's like for effect like we could of course we could get another microphone but actually we like this dynamic it's of- a bonding experience do you know, what the, you know what the problem is what they don't make these gold microphones anymore oh <laughs> wow that's such a, such a shame yeah. no one makes any gold microphones no. at all they were like no. it's so iconic live lunch that we're just not going to they retired it. the microphone after we <laughs> bought them and you couldn't live with it if it was another colour microphone oh, next to the... That would just mess my, my cheek. I'll come back next week and see how we've resolved this issue. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen, if anyone, always wins. If anyone has a gold microphone, I'd like to donate yeah. to the show. Like, yeah. that, would, that would solve everyone's problem. Thank you. Anyway, so this Sunday we looked at the story of Jacob and Rachel and Leah. Stephen, you called it the pursuit of happiness. And across mm. the next half hour, we're going to cover a, a range of topics that... Uh, we touched upon uh, in the passage. So we looked at open relationships and polygamy. We look about the sanctity of life and, and children. We're going to talk about the pursuit of happiness and why we call the sermon the pursuit of happiness and where we find our happiness amongst other things. But Stephen, do you want to kick us off by giving us a summary of this sermon? And also we've got food from Coco de Mama. We do. Italian food, nice pasta. Stephen's on a salad. Good boy. <laughs> yes. Thank you to our wonderful producer, Jess, for organizing this. Woo-hoo. Lovely. Thank, Thank you, Jess. Jess. So you asked me to give a quick summary? Yes, please. Yeah, so um, yeah, we're looking at the story of uh, really the, 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 the birth of Jacob's children. And so 11 of his sons and his daughter. Um, his last son's not born till chapter 35, so come back for that as well. Uh, but you're looking at, looking at the birth of them and um, as you look at them, uh, you're really you're looking at attention right through the story between Rachel and Leah, kind of vying for Jacob's attention, kind of showing off their facility and uh, they kind of each child gets born they give the meaning by the by, by the name and lots of about i've vindicated over my sister or god has remembered me in this or this and the other and, and, and the way i go about it isn't is not great it's the dysfunction that we see right throughout genesis just continues in this family and uh, and and i, I suggested to johan to call it the pursuit of happiness i was thinking that you would do something else but that was great um, because I think in one sense you know Leah starts the, the marriage off in an unhappy place she's kind of she's, she's there as kind of second rate wife and she's kind of thinking how do I get happy in this as well maybe I can win my husband's affections uh, by giving him children and then Rachel she's the pretty one she's the chosen wife but she's barren to start with and again so there's, there's sadness in her life to the point where she wants to die so how does she get happy again well she's just seeking any way she can uh, to get pregnant so she some superstitious, superstitious rituals, uh, using her servant girl, that kind of stuff. So, you yeah, know, I guess it was just the pursuit of it. And really, if you're pursuing happiness by externals, in this case, having children, actually, it doesn't lead to happiness. There's just strife throughout it all. And so I guess I try to lead people to the place where actually happiness, and happiness is a funny word to use, but I guess genuine joy and peace comes from seeking God first. That was the kind of thrust of it. And maybe like, because it's, you're, I guess you're using that because that's a universal theme of like, we desire something, we desire happiness, satisfaction in life. And I guess it looks different in every generation. So I guess for purity, what we, how does that, how does that play out with the, 
I guess you, your generation, younger people, the rest of us, old old people with grey beards and whatever, uh, we're not as in touch with what that looks like. Because every generation, I think, is different in terms of what the, so we can call it happiness, but mm. it looks if it's like freedom, is it is it power, is it success, is it what what that what do you encounter? If people yeah. talk about. I think Stephen really quickly um, touched on a good point that I thought of like there's a difference between happiness and joy, like we pursue happiness but happiness doesn't last mm -hmm. there's a depth in joy that um that you get that you just get in jesus whereas in happiness things are temporary things come and go so i guess in my generation it'd be like what would it be um i guess right now everyone wants to be a social influ social media influencer like some kind of easy job or like something that's super like i don't know Chill. Isn't that what you wanted to do before? I was just going to say, like, <laughs> <laughs> You know, I feel like I, I'll say my generation, but it's actually very relatable to all the generations, not just mine, because um, they intertwine. But yeah, just the normal things of like jobs, finance, finances, um, friendships, I'd say is a big one, um, especially like post uni kind of times, mm -hmm. get, trying to figure out like making friends when you're an adult, like, don't understand how that works so if you have any thoughts on that because you're not confined into like a lecture room together yeah, like yeah. i mean yeah, you, yeah. Right, you don't yeah. like lunch right? that's how we've become exactly bring those boundaries back in get in the same room every week and just ground it out until you like each other eat so together eat together eat together is a good one and so a friendship will soon blossom, I'm sure, between me and Johan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Any moment now, we will be friends. <laughs> I think just the, the quick question uh, on the back of that is: the, Does the pursuit of happiness? Just want to say in? that is a really insightful thing from Purity. <laughs> Getting friendships as you get older is more and yeah. more difficult. Okay. Your gets yeah. get shrinks and shrinks and shrinks. As a pastor, I have to address this all the time. People are like they grow older in church and they think the church has become less friendly. So that's no, just stage of life. So it's so easy to make friends when you're growing up. You know, you've just got yeah. everything in common as a kid and that kind of stuff. And at university, you're chucked in, you're having the time of your life. People throw out the other side of university. It's like, what's going on? Where's my friends? That kind of stuff. And then yeah. somebody's like, oh, how it's having children. That's a great thing to bond over. But then your children get older and it just, it stretches and moves and it changes and people move, move apart. And it's difficult to keep going for friendships, particularly when people move on. It's a, I know this is where we're going to go, but just to yeah. say that is a no, real thing. Fair. And you're watching, that's, that's for you. Let me say that, that it's tough and it's difficult. It's something you have to work out. So um, we like but to get... we are taught to be friends hmm. and to bear with one another, know one another and go for it. Yeah. We like to get really practical on the show. So if you were speaking to purity and thinking okay, purity what would you say are your top tips to making friends as an adult oh great question pray no, there's times in my life where I felt lonely, where I haven't got deep friendships, and I've just prayed to God, give me some people. And what normally what happens is God opens my eyes to the fact that I have actually got friends and people who do really care for me. And then I think, and then the things make time. Find find ways to make time with people, and probably lower your bar slightly. Which is sometimes a really funny thing to say. I think, well, unless this person has the same interests, has this little level of chemistry, that's what we think. But as Christians, the best thing we've got, actually, we've got Christ in common. Mm -hmm. And begin to know that and giving time to, time to those things and giving time to other people, ask questions, get to, you know, don't go into it thinking, what can I get? If, if you go in thinking, I need different, this friend, you're needy. It's pretty unattractive. Mm -hmm. But going to be someone's friend, go and love them. And so there's a few relationships I've had over the years where I've just kind of flipped it. Thought, you know what, I am going to be a good friend. What results is actually I get friendship in return as well. So that's, that's three. Oh, things. here's a question. We're going off on a tangent now, but that's okay. That's what it's here for. <laughs> here for. Does friendship have to be in person? 
Especially oh. like a generational thing Whoa. in terms of like, you know, people say, well, my community's online. You know, I, I connect with people online. Yeah. Uh, you know, I play computer games with people. I'm I connect and I, <laughs> yeah, but, but that's, that's a generational thing. Is, is, is that? Somebody was like, what is a pen pal? Well, go on Wikipedia. That. Did you have to do that? You, you, you probably didn't do that, didn't you? Did you? Secondary school, we had to write, we had to write something in Germany or something like that. We used to get letters from people. <laughs> did you? <laughs> You said anyway, Germany was weird to stay in there, just so you know. <laughs> no, but it's like, it's just another country that you've never been to, but it's like England, because you did German and, I don't know, anyway. It doesn't matter in school. I, I've got Two friends in. need to be digital, digital yes. in person. Yes, keep us back yes. on track. Right, yeah, me, hi. Um, Go for it, Piercy. I feel like yeah. you can make great bonding experiences from digital. Like, just, we have a social media age where you can make friends with people who yeah. are... Um, the other side of the world but i guess it's similar to the local church bring this back where you do need people who are a stone's throw away to help you in those situations there's something about like actually being within a meter's contact to have that depth of help i guess that is needed in friendships that you can't get in online but it doesn't mean to negate that you can't have friendships, real friends, or at least I don't think. Yeah, no, I, I'd agree. I think you yeah. definitely could be friends online. Yeah. Can you be church online? I think it's, yeah, it's where that's bleeding into. No, I don't think you can, because how can you, you need to be able to break bread in person together, that kind of stuff. I think there's, yeah. there's things in the, you know, online is still a certain uh, category of friendship in terms of what you reveal and that kind of stuff. And, you know, not that you can't go deep, but it's when you're in person, actually you're much more likely to have to forgive one another, for example. Yeah, how can you do that? You know, online friendships, you're less likely. Maybe I don't know, but but I think there, there, there's something, isn't it, about being in person that, that's different in terms of actually church family. But I think friendship, I think you definitely can do it online. Yeah, that's my my thought. So it was definitely there. because during during lockdown, I we'd have dinner dates with friends who we hadn't seen for years or who were not in the same city. But once we've come out of lockdown and, and the pandemic, I've not done a Zoom call, even like a Zoom meeting in months. So, so like when, you say, when you say dinner date, you'd actually we'd get we'd get some food. You sit on your sofa with yeah. your dinner, and yeah. they would be on the Zoom call having their dinner. Yeah, and we just chat. And you would chat. Yeah, we did it a couple of times where we had the same ingredients and cooked together. Wow. Did you? And so I to, yeah. So. Gosh, remember yeah. lockdown? It's, it's so fascinating. <laughs> like, we did have some good moments. I didn't, and then each, I've just not done it since then. I've enjoyed eating with people in person. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. But something like, so I so I speak to my dad like way more now than I ever had done because we started having a weekly Zoom call and we just continue that on. I've tried to suggest we stop, but locked into it now. Do we have to continue? Everyone, everyone calls to continue this. Oh yeah, oh, okay, you are okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, we'll we'll keep going, keep going. Ooh. Should we jump into the, into the text? We can do, yeah. Um, or we could just talk about my dad, but no, it's not that. <laughs> was your dad at church the other Sunday? Yeah, a few weeks when ago. When you were preaching? Yeah, it was. Oh, that's really cool. Well, he comes to visit me occasionally, yeah. Oh. The Zoom's not quite enough, so he well, comes to... Well, my dad's like hundreds of miles away, so I, I don't get to see my dad. But it was really nice to see your dad watching you preach. Ah, oh, thanks, mate. Hey, sorry. Um, this might he didn't recognise me from live lunch, so... I was like, oh. <laughs> well, I can talk about it because I know he's not going to watch this stuff. So. Um, well, I guess one of the, the big things that we encounter in this passage is one man married to two women. Uh, so polygamy... Um, four. Four women, yes, you're right. Um, polygamy, does God allow it? And But also increasingly open relationships and polygamous... Ma- uh, open, open relationships are becoming more and more yeah. popular today. 
what would you say? Polyamorous. What do I think of that? Polyamorous mm. relationships, yeah. Because yeah. you can't legally get married to more than one person, right? It's still illegal. Yeah. Um, In the UK. Yeah. And so, yeah, so how would you, um, what would you say, what would you say about that? What would you say about that? That's a big open-ended question for an open relationships conversation. Um. <laughs> well, just, I think there's two questions. Because it's in the Bible. Is there, is, there, yeah. is, there, is God okay about polygamous relationships? That's a good question, isn't it? Purity. What do you think about that? <laughs> is God okay? Do you okay? want more than one husband in your life? No, I think one would be first. <laughs> <laughs> one relationship's all right. Um, <laughs> but I think... What does God say? Um, well, I mean, you've got the biblical text on like family and like what we say in, especially going through this series is we see a lot of mistakes that people make and just because it's in the Bible isn't necessar- necessarily the prescription of it. It's this is what people did and mm-hmm. this is how humans are. And exactly. it reflects the society that we're in now. It's still how people are and it's still what people do. Yeah. So it's great that it's still in, that it still is relevant now basically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but it's not god's design of like marriage and family it would be with one of them but i think jacob's choice would have been rachel but you know we're mm. here where we are um and there's a wisdom in that in having one partner and that i think currently we're kind of thinking like or even then having more couple more people in a situation it's like why wouldn't you do that because it's like more children and that's maybe what they were looking towards is Mm. all of this but we see that it doesn't necessarily lead to the it's not it leads to a lot of harm as well that could have been dealt with differently basically Mm. yeah I think I've like skated around the question because I can't remember no no it's good no so yeah I think I, I mentioned in my sermon that. Yeah, it's, it's descriptive. It's describing the, the actions of various people and invariably those actions lead to diff- bad consequences. So the Bible doesn't show away from that. Well, yeah, they've done that, but this is this is how it all played out. You know, this rivalry particularly between his wives in this passage. I think, bizarrely, the polyg- polygamous um, relationships pre-the law given to Moses are kind of easier to justify because, well, it, you know, God's just not prescribed yet what it should be, although Adam and Eve, he set up, that was his kind of model, but it's not quite the same. But after that, it's a bit weird when things like King David has hundreds of wives and concubines and everything else. You're thinking, and you're thinking what is going on here? Because, um, you know, you, you, they've got the Bible. <laughs> you know, you, you, you could see that is not God's best design. You know, and again, there's reasons for that. And also, again, it does not play out well uh, in reality. Um, yeah. I think as well, like to to broaden it to what's going on and around us right now, it's like we shouldn't be surprised that polygamy comes back into the equation of of, of what you know happens in a society like like in 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 our our country right now. So it seems to be increasingly, it's probably still a very small minority of people, but it's it's going to you see articles and maybe know people that would be in open relationships or um, and. We, we should expect that. I think as Christians looking at our culture and looking at what is happening, when you move, when you move away from a society that has, as it has been in the last sort of century, shaped by Christian values, the more you move away from that and the more it's about individual freedom, you, purity you were talking about a minute ago, when, when individual freedom is the, the primary thing, the way that people live and what people think about, 
you're going to get all sorts of different types of relationships and all sorts of different definitions. Because basically what our culture is saying now, people are free to define themselves and define their relationships in any way you want. Like people see the, the, the um, boundaries as traditional restrictions and actually suppressing of people. But, um, and what, what, is, what is happening is happening in many ways to do with self-expression and types of relationships over the last 50 years is that things that have started as on the fringe like even like 50 years ago even someone to live with someone for a long term and not be married would probably say that's a bit weird <laughs> but that that's changed but no one would think that now um but you know that, that that's what happened things are start on the fringe and then it's like becomes more acceptable and it's like oh, okay if that's what makes you happy then do it like why else would you why would you not do it if it makes you happy because that's the thing we put at the top and then and soon it'll be you know what you just said there wouldn't it's not uh, it's not legal that's going to come around the corner like people want to defend the rights to have whatever like if everyone's agree in agree agreement of their relationship why can't um they you know get married to more than one person it's, it's just exactly what's happened with other types of marriages that have come in, in the last take on it so it's like what right do you have to define it in your way why can't anyone define it the way ever they want to define it and so it's only going to get more complicated and as you say it's like it's it's crazy how genesis like (laughs) reflects it it's like genesis just shows when god is not in the equation and people just do whatever they want they will do whatever they want (laughs) to get every single and that's what genesis is like and the whole story of is like god trying to bring back his purposes through one family so no go and do it right this is how it is supposed to be but they still don't get it right um but yeah, anyway, that's a little little rant on that. Um. Yes, it comes down to we've been reading uh, individually uh, the Dune books, and very much uh, marriage in the Dune books is is a matter of convenience and political alliance. And so, even in this story, the purpose, e- even uh, Rachel and Leah offering their servants to Jacob to to bear more sons um, and to bear more children to in, mm. in order to achieve the person's love. So we can see marriage suddenly becomes more of a a matter of I, I don't know it, it could either be a matter of convenience or it could be a matter of self-expression but what would be the right I guess view of marriage if it's not those two sorry what do you mean so like why go into marriage yeah kind of thing because they were going into it for like the, Rachel and Leah were bringing their servant wives so that they could have more kids yeah. but is that necessarily the right reason to go into a marriage yeah. kind of thing which I'm not married, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> one of the, I don't know how to answer this, but one of the things that comes into uh, like when we do when we do when we marry people in our church, mm. one of the things that's often I think always uh, comes into the service is at least a little bit is the sense in which that marriage is not just good for the individual, but it's good for society. Um, and I think that's I think that's right and good, and I think often when we look at the Bible and we, you know you talked about Adam and Eve and uh, the beginnings and how God intended it would be we're almost instinctively thinking that as sort of on an individual basis it was good for Adam and for Eve uh, that they were exclusive in their relationship with one another but God and that marriage is a blessing to the individual but it's also the way that God has intended it because he's seeing the society that springs from them and so you know, ex- having a, a marriage is, yeah, we, believe, we we would teach and believe in this church that it's going to be good for you. It brings stability and it 
partnership and friendship for a lifetime that is a good thing that will be a blessing to you and therefore we should invest in it and, and take it seriously and not be passive in our in our marriages but also it's going to be good for others like it's good for you if you have children it'd be that is we unashamedly we say that is a great the best environment for children to be raised where they have a mother and a father that's the way now not every family is like that and that's not condemning families that are not and saying well that's just but it's saying there is a there is a blessing in that and i think you so we you, you only need to see what's happening now where we have fragmented families and just the pain that that causes not just for those individuals although it does but for their children and the impacts of that in over decades of children not being raised with a mother and a father and not having instability in home life and that sort of thing there is a there's a great cost to that that god wants to us to um recognize anyway i don't know if that answers the question but it's almost like we shouldn't just think about marriage as an individual is it good for me or is it not good for me you know even i would encourage people who are in our church who are not married to see marriage as a good thing that blesses our church blesses our society um for m many different reasons that's good let's talk a little bit about one of the things you did mention Stephen, in your um message uh, is abortion we're obviously talking about uh, children being born and I guess their preciousness to to God and that was kind of the um, the reason that you you're bringing up really to as a sort of reminder of that the God so so cares about about children I think that's particularly relevant this week when it's the you know, topic is uh, on in our on our news feeds and from the changes that's happened to the law in America uh, not directly relevant here because nothing nothing legal is going to change over here. But even, you know, Glastonbury Festival at weekend and uh, Kendrick Lamar on stage, strangely seems to be presenting himself as Christ or a Christ-like figure with the way he's dressing himself. But at the same time, um, you know, making a fairly obvious pro-choice stance with that. Now, I guess for... Um, Christians, you know, and people in our church perhaps <laughs> thinking, oh, Kendrick Lamar, he's a, he's a Christian, isn't he? Or we'd say he is. And then Stephen, you've just said abortion is wrong. Like, is it is it more nuanced? Like, why would you even say that? Because that is just to say quite straightly, abortion is not right. God loves the unborn. Um, would probably be something. Why well, it's very controversial to say. Like, why would you even say that? Where does that come from? Yeah. Tell us a bit more about yeah, that's that. Great. So here at Emmanuel, unashamedly, uh, we believe that Jesus leads us in every area of our lives. And he does that by um, through, through his word, through the Bible. As we look at the Bible, it's very clear that people are made his image. There is, you know, every life is sacred and to, to be guarded. And we, we see that explicitly stated in verses. We also just see it in the narrative, you know, in terms of God's grief when people aren't treated in that way. And we're going to find that in some, some of the more crazy stories. We go through Genesis and, and other places. We see it in the way that Jesus treats people, actually values kids. He values women, which have been very countercultural in his day. So their version of abortion, infanticide, uh, would be a big thing back then. You know, if, you know, if, you, if a daughter's born, just go and put it out in the woods or kill it. Uh, it's the sons that are after. There'd be a massive disparity in gender gap because of the convenience around the actual children who want, or children who are disabled would be cast away. Mm. And so very, very quickly, you see down, down through history, the church and Christians have stood in the gap and taken care of the children that other people don't want. And for us in our day, we, in one sense, we don't get much of an opportunity to do that because children that people don't want, they just discard. 
and it's discarded before they even come out of the womb. Also, see from scripture very clearly that uh, children, people are people from conception, and uh, God's there in the Holy Spirit and that kind of stuff. And so we're saying actually right from day one, uh, these things, uh, these things, these people, these babies are precious uh, to God. So therefore, any step towards expressing that more clearly is good. And so something like the repeal in the law in America, it should be, I would say, as a Christian, something we should be celebrating now. There is difficulties when a national law says something, you know, when everyone in that nation doesn't match up with it. How, how do you deal with that? And uh, it's funny, the things I've not had to really navigate, I think I've had hold of you that held of you that think abortion should be outlawed, but it does ask the question, okay, but then what about those who still want to? And the, you know, suddenly backstreet abortions and all those, all those kinds of things. Those, those are things that really do need to be thought through. And also, you know, it's an opportunity for the church to rethink, okay, well, how do we support people who are suddenly in the place of crisis pregnancy? Yeah. People who are suddenly find themselves pregnant. How do we express love and grace? Because that's what Christians did. When it was infant side, it was like, don't just do it. They're like, they were the part of the, the solution. Okay, well, we'll take them in. We'll have them. And so it's been really heartening to see some churches that I follow guests on, on Twitter, uh, online, saying their response is, yes, we're celebrating this. And if you are in pregnancy crisis, we will help you. We will help you with your children. Whether it's financial, whether we can love them, we can care for them, we can adopt them. You know, if that's, that's what's needed, then that's, that should be the response of the church. We, we love people. We're not here to point fingers at those who want an abortion and that kind of stuff or have an abortion and make them sure as people in our church that would be the case. Actually, there's love, there's grace, there's forgiveness, there's help, there's counselling, all those kinds of things. And that should be the response uh, of, of, the, of the church in that, in that way. And we, and we do need to, I guess, we'll be those who maybe have the opportunity to look at ourselves maybe uh, at some point. Uh, else? Um, yeah. No, that's great. Purity, it's, it's tricky though, isn't it? Oh, no, I know what I was going to say. I was going to say. And I just, I just want to say, is there's not a caricature of the kind of people who are in crisis, crisis pregnancy. If me and my wife were pregnant today, that would be a crisis for me. You know, and I, I, I can totally empathise with people. You know, most abortions are not a teenage girl who's got knocked up somewhere. It's not, that's not the case. You know, it's right across society, having children is an inconvenience. It is a cost that is difficult. It definitely would be right now for us for all kinds of reasons. You know, my wife's a bit older, financially it would be difficult we've got enough people in our house already that would just be tough you know I would not want a child right now but our conviction you know because this comes from you know not like should we have children or not it comes from our other conversation actually why do we get married well part of the marriage is to create a safe space for children to come into and so the very fact that it's not just that our children are disposable our sex lives are disposable our relationships are disposable and that's why abortion is such a and it's so endemic in a sense it's such a part of things because we didn't start from day one with the fact that actually it should be one man one one woman creating family together safe space that's that, that it's less crisis in that sense and so it's not not surprised that all things that play out of that so yeah no i was just going to say how what's your reflection on it purity from i guess you know social media all around there's people are talking about this topic and from like as a christian it's not easy to know how to navigate that uh, in terms of yeah yeah, that's true. <laughs> I think starting off with just knowing that it's not an easy thing to navigate mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and having being able to have these conversations because it can be quite easy to get into like an, a whole anxious like what to say, what to do, what mm-hmm. to how to exist in this space when there are so many voices going on. And I think I've I haven't seen a lot. I don't know a lot about the topic, but I've seen a lot of responses. And so I think going into what Jesus would do is like be there for the response, be there for the person, be there for how society's taking this at the moment mm-hmm. is the emotional, there's a lot of emotional backlash. 
and from what I like my heart breaks because it kind of feels from the response what I've seen from the response is like quite a oh well this is all kind of a stereotype of what Christians are doing like being oppressive mm. and this is who God is like religious and restrictive and all of this stuff I'm like that's not the God I know and that's not the God I love as one who's a father who cares for relationships mm. and cares for each person wants to minister like you're saying to each person whether they're in that place at the moment or have been in the past it's like there is so much more to the conversation and to God that we um, are kind of missing out at the moment so I think it's trying to come back to in a situation where there's so many voices it's coming back to God's voice coming back to his word um, coming back to the voice of what to do is like praying first and seeking to understand and seeking to love first and pass no judgment like Stephen's saying mm-hmm. um, so it's it's a crazy time basically but God's in the midst of it and God's controlling it yeah I realise just you know touching on this 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 topic at the at the end of our show today is going to be having lots of different reactions and I guess we just want to sort of say that we're very uh, open and encourage we're trying to have this conversation so that we can um, show that we want to talk about it and we want to talk it through and that's not just on a hypothetical level but a real level as well and you know both Steve and I and pastoral ministry are meeting with people in all different types of scenarios and you know whether you're a church member listening to this or um, you're not and want to talk about it or ask questions or say what we're wrong or say I'm in I'm in a crisis situation and I want some help and support um, please, get in, please get in touch with us that's good should we draw all things to go together for yeah. today? What do we? What can we look forward to next week? Next week, well, it feels like next week Jacob finally gets his act together. In a, in a way, Jacob is not a great guy, and we've been looking at that for a number of weeks. Uh, but next week we talk about how he decides to go home to take his family his now incredibly large family and go home and um he at that moment also starts to recognize more that god is with him and he starts recognizing god in his life a lot more and so it's a message about yeah taking responsibility for our lives and also how god takes responsibility for us brilliant thanks so much for joining us uh, as Matt said, if this is if this um, episode has resulted in in more questions or just anything you want to talk, please get in touch. We'd love to connect with you. Uh, if not, see you next week. Bye bye.